Welcome to another episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast Series. Today, we're going to be talking about STEM Inc., a software play in the renewable energy space. I'm your host, Jared Leary, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the first real episode of Hourglass Investing, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite companies in the renewable energy space, STEM Inc. Incorporated? Inc? I don't know. We'll just be calling it STEM for the rest of this episode. Just quickly before I get into what STEM is doing, I want to introduce the problem that they're trying to solve, and that's renewable energy. Renewable energy right now is all the buzz, but it's not an issue that's as easy to fix as just snapping our fingers and everyone has a solar panel on the roof and that's that the big problem that we have with renewables is how do we continue producing energy when the sun is not shining or the wind isn't blowing and the answer to that is storage but we still have a massive electrical grid in north america that we have to download onto these storage systems so every bit of energy is super important we can't be wasting it This has to be a highly efficient and optimized system. And that's where STEM comes in. So zooming out to a 40,000 foot level here, STEM is providing software solutions for renewables to do exactly that. Make energy storage systems extremely efficient. Energy storage systems are units, basically big boxes of batteries that are attached to renewable energy assets like solar panels or wind turbines to store energy that's produced while the sun is shining or the wind is blowing, and then release that energy when the demand on the electrical grid is high or those renewable assets aren't able to produce power. So I see this as a huge opportunity for STEM. Right now, the world is experiencing a critical need to transition to renewable energy so that we can, you know, deal with this whole climate warming thing. I don't know if you've heard, it's it's getting a bit out of hand. So this is a huge shift for a massive electrical grid that has, to to this point at least, been entirely tied to fossil fuel systems. We need a major revamping of the entire system to hit our climate targets. And STEM stands to be not only a huge beneficiary from the shift, but a major player in allowing it to happen. I should back up. I'm getting madly ahead of myself here. And you may catch me doing that a few times because this is a company that gets me really fired up. I love what they're doing. And yes, some forewarning now, I am definitely super biased towards STEM success here. But let's first get into how the company came to be and what they're up to today. So STEM was founded in 2009 by Brian Thompson, who saw an opportunity for a software play in the energy space. Fast forwarding that to today, Thompson is out of the picture and the company is headed up by CEO John Carrington, who has previous experience with General Electric. They came public in 2021 via SPAC, which has definitely served as a bit of a hit against them. In hindsight, investors have really come to not favor the SPAC darlings over the last few years, but SPACs were definitely going through a bit of a gold rush during the bubble of 2020-2021. Other Tenure is a public company. Uh, how do I put this nicely? It's, it's been a roller coaster. 
It's uh, the stock climbed to a high of fifty dollars before plummeting towards a share price just north of three dollars, and that was just a few months ago. They've managed to rebound with the rest of the tech sector and the stock market as a whole over the last few months. And as of recording, they're trading at about $6.80 range. But that still represents an 86% loss for the poor buggers that were unfortunate enough to get caught up in the hype train at the very peak. So far, the company mostly operates in the US and honestly, it's only just started expanding from California. So they've got plenty of runway for growth ahead of them if they can just expand into more geographies. Okay, so I touched earlier on their software solution, but I didn't get into it at all. Now that's the definitely the sexy part of the business. Unfortunately, to this point at least, most of their revenues are actually generated from installing third-party energy storage systems for their customers and then bundling those with their software. So the installation side of the business, I will not lie. <laughs> It is hideous. It is downright ugly. Uh, so right now the company has just 1% gross margins, and that is largely because of that installation side. They're rebuying energy storage systems from other companies and then installing them for clients for almost no extra money. However, and, and I think a lot of investors are overlooking this, it's important to note that installing the energy storage systems is just a funnel for packaging their software with the storage systems. So while they recognize a bunch of really low margin revenue up front for installing these things, it's the annual recurring revenues from the software, which have about 80% margins, that is a way more attractive part of the business. As they install more and more of these storage systems, that annual recurring revenue is going to keep adding up, adding up, until it makes up a way larger portion of the business. And that 1% gross margin figure is going to start looking a lot more attractive when that shift to software revs takes place. I'm ahead of myself again. I'm, I'm skipping an important part of things here. I should probably explain what their software does. Uh, so the software is called Athena and Athena gets bundled with the storage systems and it uses AI to manage when the storage systems are storing energy that gets produced when they're releasing energy into the grid for usage, say at peak times, when energy prices are high, and when they're taking in energy from the grid, i.e. when prices are low or those renewable assets can't produce energy at the time. Customers get a huge amount of value from the software, but the kind of value that they get sort of depends on the customer. So STEM has two types of customers, and in the energy industry, these are called front of meter and behind the meter clients, and I'll get into what those mean. So front of meter basically means that like those customers are tied directly into the grid. Those are utility companies, independent power producers, uh, or grid operators, for example. While behind the meter customers are the clients that are buying and consuming energy from the grid. So these might be like commercial operators or businesses. For the front of meter customers that are producing power, Using the Athena software essentially allows them to maximize the value of and revenues from their renewable assets by determining the best times to sell energy and by maintaining a constant supply. Behind the meter customers can get Athena software to automatically manage their on-site consumption and storage of energy, which lowers their operating costs and provides backup power in case of blackouts. Regardless though of the kind of customer, 
or how they're using the software, Athena helps either to generate uh, between a 10 and 40% internal rate of return, which makes it a highly attractive investment for companies to make. Not only do they get a more stable energy supply, they get to save money doing it, and they get to look good because they're doing the whole ESG clean energy thing. So for anyone operating clean energy assets, Athena is must-have software for efficiency and getting a faster return on their investment. Now, there's a bunch of other use cases for Athena, but if I get into all of them, you'll be listening to me for the next like three hours, and nobody wants that. My voice will get all crackly, and, and it'll sound terrible. We don't want it. So I'm going to move on to a few of the business fundamentals. First, touching on the moat that STEM has, you know, what's keeping other companies from just making their own software to compete with STEM? This is where the AI aspect of the Athena software comes in. With almost a thousand systems using Athena and over 9 billion runtime hours under the software's belt at this point, they have a huge data set to feed into machine learning and produce a better product that only continues to get even better as they get more systems under their belt. Any competitors trying to enter the game at this point would just find themselves ridiculously behind and unable to catch up to the number of systems or hours that STEM has. And they're just using those to continue improving the Athena product and the rate of return that it can offer as they go. I basically think of this as a race where you start like three laps behind the other guy and dude's fast, like he, he is moving. There's no way you're catching up to him if you're starting that far behind. And even if you were to try, well, skip the metaphor here. Even if a company were to try and enter the space, they would likely start with a software that only offered between three to 10% internal rate of return. And I mean, at that point, only their grandmother is going to give them the benefit of the doubt. If there's another product on the market offering 10 to 40% internal rate of return, no one's going with the option that only has three to 10%. And that same value prop gives STEM a fair bit of pricing power if they choose to pull that lever. They can increase the cost of their software. And because the rate of return is still going to be so much higher with STEM, the customers are probably still happy to eat that extra cost. Now, I don't want to give off the impression that STEM is the only player in this space. While they definitely have a huge moat against new entrants, there are two other players that offer super similar products and could provide some steady competition for STEM. So the first of these is called Fluence Energy, and this is a child company of Siemens, which is just a, a huge European energy everything kind of company. And they also offer an energy management software similar to Athena, but they differ in that they manufacture and install their own energy storage systems for customers. So Fluence at this point is a bit bigger in size compared to STEM. They have around a $3 billion market cap compared to STEM's one-ish billion. And they also have way bigger revenues, uh, 1.2 billion to about just under 400 million. But I do see STEM as the stronger pure play in this space for a few reasons. First of all, they have about, STEM that is, has about 25 gigawatts of renewable assets under the management of the Athena software. Fluence, on the other hand, has only nine gigawatts of assets. And this results in STEM's next big advantage, which is their 1 billion runtime hours compared to Fluence's 900,000. This is a huge difference in data. 
And when you're talking about AI and machine learning, I mean, I'm not a techie guy, but I don't think you need to be to understand that that extra data advantage is huge for being able to deliver the best product. And that difference shows in the offering. Fluence offers about a three to 10% internal rate of return. STEM is able to deliver between 10 and 40. So again, back to the marathon metaphor there, I'm not sure why a company would go with Fluence when STEM is also offering the same product, but better. The other competitor in this space is Tesla. So while their main gig, if, <laughs> if you hadn't heard, is manufacturing some pretty sleek looking cars, Tesla also does dabble in providing energy management software and has a pretty global reach with this product line as well, similar to Fluence. However, it was difficult to get information on how many runtime hours their software has, uh, the assets they have under management, or honestly, much of anything on it. So despite not having the information there, I do see Tesla as the biggest competitor to STEM in the space. And that's just because of how massive they are, their AI capabilities, and the engineering team and resources that they have under the Tesla umbrella. However, I think STEM does benefit from the fact that this is not Tesla's main focus. And even if they were to really focus on this space, this is a huge total addressable market that both STEM, Fluence, and, and Tesla are all in. I mean, it's estimated now to be worth $230 billion and expected to grow at a 10% compound annual growth rate through to 2030 and reach $435 billion. That is huge. That is a massive opportunity. And, and it's big enough that I could see it being a two or even three player space easily, meaning STEM, Fluence, and Tesla could all succeed in delivering their products and growing to a decent size. We've covered the company, we've covered the business model, the competition. It's time to dive into the actual investment opportunity. As of recording, STEM is trading just under three times 2022 sales and only 1.5 times the forward-looking revenues based on the upper end of management estimates. So the average one-year analyst projection for a price target is $11. That would represent about a 62% upside from current prices. It should also be noted that other analysts are projecting a $16 to $18 range for STEM, and that would be between a 135 and 165% upside from here, which, if achievable, like that's ridiculous. I'm going to lean more towards the $11 price target, not because I'm not optimistic about this company, but, you know, set the, set the bar low. And, and not the 62% is, is low either. That would be fantastic gains for a year. I do think, however, if the company is able to continue growing revs at the clip that they have while increasing their gross margins, $16 to $18 is very much in the realm of possibilities. So STEM in a nutshell. STEM's offering a unique play on a critical growing industry with a ton of tailwinds an industry that we need to get in shape to hit our global climate targets. Their products have the capacity to greatly increase the return on investment for customers that are switching to renewable energy assets, while also making the electrical grid more resilient and efficient. Their business model is incredibly attractive. 
if they can move more of the business towards the software and accompanying recurring revenues, it's only going to get better. And they have a huge moat against any new entrants, making it pretty much a three-player game max at this point in time. I think the sky's the limit for STEM, and it's a business that a lot of investors are letting slip through their radar because of a few bad metrics that are easily explained if you understand the business model. But I'm all right, I'm all right with that. I mean, it, it just lets those of us that do understand load up on even more shares. So I'm extremely excited and hopeful for STEM's future. I can't wait to see where this company goes in the next few years. Now, I have to mention there is a massive, like endless amount of stuff that I left out of this podcast just to keep us on time. If you're interested in STEM based on what you heard today, I have a full deep dive article available completely free on my Substack page at Hourglass Investing. I'll provide the link to that in the show notes, and I highly recommend you go give that a read if you want to know more about the company. In the article, I also dive into some of STEM's other revenue streams, more use cases for Athena, and there's a lot of them. Like I left out some, some really cool use cases. I also get into the KPIs for monitoring this business, the balance sheet, and the management team, as well as some more stuff on moat and optionalities for the company moving forward. Seriously, I cannot emphasize enough that if you enjoy this podcast and are interested in STEM, it is really just a teaser for what's in the article. I put a massive amount of work into making that article a one-stop shop for everything STEM. You can also find deep dives into other companies on my Substack page, including Duolingo and Planet Labs. If you find your way over there, I'd really appreciate a quick subscribe and like. really does a lot for the page. And that's all for this week's episode, but I'll be coming right back at you next week. See you then. All right, that is a wrap on today's episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed the show today, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to rate the show, leave a review, and share it with any friends you think might be interested in future episodes. It really does a lot to help out the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode, and I'll see you there.